Welcome to the RevTech Revolution Podcast. Today's episode is hosted by Ken Lorenz, Reva's VP of Sales, and he will be talking to Lori Lamkin from Microsoft Dynamics 365 about how to personalize customer relationships in a remote world, how CRMs have evolved over time, and the difference between product promises and product truth. All of this and more on the RevTech Revolution Podcast. So, so Lori, I, I got to ask, what, what was life before Microsoft for you? Life before Microsoft was in college at the University of Washington studying math and computer science. And I had a side hustle, uh, which was the working for the power company, Seattle City Light, uh, doing some um, power forecasting at the time. So, you know, dabbling a little bit in the whole uh, programming world uh, while I was uh, finishing my degree. That's great. So how did you land at Microsoft? Uh, in 1990, it was kind of this emerging high-tech uh, scene. I was interested in computer science, and uh, and I met a couple of people that had uh, been employed there, and they were just really intelligent and kind of felt like they were going to do something here with, with the world, and it was kind of the you know, information at your fingertips was our our phrase at the time, and a, and it eventually became P, a PC on on every desk. And so, basically, I started out by helping customers with their programming questions for Fortran and C uh, on the phones. And um, I did that for about a year, and then they asked me to be the manager of the team which was great and scary. And I was worried about losing all my technical uh, chops. And I really jumped in and never really looked back because I found a real passion in growing growing people in addition to rallying folks to be inspired to get something done that has an impact together. That's really cool. I, I, uh, I'll share a little bit about my background as well. I'm, I'm a developer by background as well. I had my heart set on doing AI research out in Berkeley and uh, made a hard dog right into accounting software in 1990 instead. Um, I I was part of the old Great Plains crew, uh, was actually a a partner back in the early 90s. So my my history goes back to the old Great Plains for DOS product, version (laughs) 6. That takes you back a while. Yeah, Um, and I had the Microsoft Fortran product, you know, which definitely goes back a while. I had ambitions of being a a programmer was what I thought I wanted to do is be an engineer writing code. And I uh, quickly found that uh, a passion for not just growing people, but, you know, like really defining product. So I stuck with dev tools for a while and went into the product team building the compilers. And so that's, that's kind of, I spent a good chunk of my career there and then in Team Foundation Server or Azure DevOps, as it is now called, uh, building collaboration software for development teams. And so that was the bulk of my career has really been in developer tools. So we share that in common. Absolutely. Tell me a little bit about Dynamics 365 and why people would use it versus other things that are on the market. What, what makes Dynamics 365 CRM so great? My feeling is that CRM tools since forever have really been about tracking your work and keeping a system of record so that your company can understand the activity and can understand the state of the business. And it's been less about keeping the actual seller engaged and productive 
or providing an amazing customer experience. And so uh, with uh, Dynamics 365 Sales, we're really looking to turn all of that upside down and just really say, we believe if your sellers are productive, then they are developing great relationships with customers and they're closing more deals. So how can we really focus on the seller productivity, on their collaboration with their peers and their customers to get things done and really take all of the taxes away on the tracking and whatnot and use data, AI, and our office suite to really help you just be very productive, independent of where you're working and uh, using AI to kind of help you be even more effective uh, than um, than you would be face to face, and so you can see that in several of our um, new features that we've had in the past uh, year or so in dynamic sales with sales accelerator, helping you prioritize your work, helping you you know get context on each customer you're going to interact with. You can see it in our conversation intelligence features where we're we're transcripting your calls and running AI over it and create, you know, auto capturing uh, action items and things like that, that you've committed to. So it really helps you not worry about at the end of the day, having to write everything down or thinking, okay, what did I say I would do with that customer? And all of this just helps the seller uh, be this genuine, this authentic and engaged and and personal uh, experience with with their customers and and we think that you know makes them more productive and closes more deals and so that's just the heart and soul of what dynamic sales is all about and its integration with um, the journey orchestration capabilities can really make customers have an amazing experience with the brand. Uh, and the company, not just with the seller experience and their productivity, but really as they interact through marketing campaign mail or in the website or any interaction they have with the company. So, so that's you know a kind of a lot of passion and an excitement from me to kind of boil it down and say it's because we can really focus on the people, the customer, and its experience end to end for every human and digital interaction it has with the company. And for each human that interacts with the, with the customer, it's like they are prepped up to speed and, and, and extremely productive. And I think this kind of changes the whole game of CRM tools. And you know, capturing all that for the system of record is happens in the background and isn't something that's the primary focus or tax you have to do. Wow, so that that was a lot to unpack, and uh, you, you've given you've you've given me bunny trails to go off in a lot of different directions. Um, let's let's pick one of those directions as a starting point. So one of one of my good friends and a, and a pretty famous author is a gentleman named Tony Hughes. Um, he's written a number of books, uh, combo selling, tech sales, etc. And one of the things that he talks about is for the modern seller not being overrun by the cyborgs. Mm -hmm. Right. Because a lot of what you just talked about with AI and in next best actions and things of that nature really help support a seller's ability to be their best and have true human interactions. At the same time, the amount of people that are leveraging the technology stack without that human element is, is very noticeable. Right. How does, how does the work that you're doing ensure that people are able to leverage the technology to be better 
I almost said better humans, but yeah. to, to be the best part of themselves. Yeah, the best authentic, genuine, and connected selves they can be with their customers is how I think right. about it. And I would say, you know, these promises have been made in the CRM space for a while. Next best action and, you know, having all this data. and But, you know, what, what happened was it just bombarded the seller with data. You know, it's like all of a sudden I'm in the cockpit of a 747 and I can't paying attention to all these bells and dials and whistles and buttons is like not actually helping me get my job done. It's just distracting me from having a conversation with a customer that's like, uh, hello, I'm over here. Uh, and I think that's where the, the AI has really progressed just in recent years to help winnow down the data into what's really important at that moment in time. And then I think we're just on this precipice of where some of these promises that have been made in CRM can actually become reality where next best action is actually useful for you and it's actually connected to the individual customer versus just a you know sequence sales play that's very generic that you know kind of is supposed to work for customers in general and you as a human are trying to go okay is that really actually helpful or not so i think we're really at a point in time where we can enable people to have just the data they need and the recommendations they need and then they can apply their own intuition and and knowledge to say yeah that that is a good recommendation i'll take that you know and move the conversation forward so so that's kind of, I, I think the industry has changed. I think that the, the technology has matured to a point where these can get delivered on. And of course, Microsoft is just known for uh, great AI capabilities and skills in the industry. So we're able to really push the bleeding edge here and really deliver on some of these really hard to figure out scenarios. So, so let's let's go down the bunny trail for a minute about customer journey, and yeah. I mean that's something that um, I know I face on a daily basis, both as a sales leader um, and as a company that's focused on providing technology that supports the customer journey. So, it's I'm thinking about it in two ways on an on an everyday basis. I know you're starting to do a lot of work there and, and really focusing on that. Can can you talk a little bit more about directionally where where you're thinking and, and how lives can get improved that way? Yeah, I think, you know, so what's happening is uh, companies are really caring, you know, they're noticing that uh, customers uh, who feel have more, um, feel more connected to the brands they engage with, feel more known, have more loyalty, and therefore repeat their purchases. So really, it starts with the metrics from different companies changing from number of sales or, you know, deals closed to to kind of customer lifetime value and uh, and repeat purchasing and subscription business models and things like that have really kind of pivoted that. Uh, and then it becomes, okay, we care less about just the blitz of a marketing campaign uh, and getting people to click uh, than we do about the impact that it has on that person now and ongoing. Um, and so when I think about what's changing is the expectation that it's no longer um, acceptable to have kind of this megaphone style blasting communication that um, you just delete in your inbox. You know, it's just, and I think um, with COVID, this is just accelerated as people feel isolated and have less 
interactions face-to-face and do so much of their uh, work and so much of their purchasing uh, digitally and also alone, that the more they can feel that human connection in their life, the better they um, feel about the company and the better they feel about making those purchases and, and they return. So to me, that meant we need to change from this megaphone style, take a segment of customers, throw them through some sort of workflow, and then you know hope for a great result to something very different, which is event-based. And I think this turns it all upside down. You know, uh, instead of it being uh, you and a whole bunch of people that are also of the same demographic, it really becomes. I know you individually, and you are taking this specific action right now, and we can respond. And so the journeys become very customer-led versus a predefined workflow. And they become personalized on a level with, instead of a segment, it's an individual. Uh, So that means, you know, as I walk into a store and I'm a loyalty card member, I can get a special offer for something that matters to me. Uh, And, you know, and it's like just creating this experience where you're like, wow, I I need that. And that's really helpful for me. And I I feel special with this company. So um, I think that's what consumers are starting to expect. And that's translating from B2C to B2B as well, you know, because we all experience this in our lives. So um, it translates across. Uh, And I think this event-based journey orchestration really helps you, helps the customer lead that experience and for you to give relevant responses and interactions back based on those customer actions. Got it. Got it. You know, it's it's funny. We've, um, I think a lot of businesses in the tech world um, he had a little bit of a panic moment when COVID arrived and we realized we weren't going to be able to meet with our customers at trade shows. We weren't going to be able to meet face-to-face. And, and so there was a, a bit of a lull there. I think what occurred pretty quickly afterwards is people took their travel and expense, expense budgets and invested it in technology. Great for us in the technology world, right? <laughs> um, but I think what it what it caused, at least from our perspective, and I'd like to get your perspective on this too, is that it made it harder for people to be viewed as unique as sellers and truly connected with their customers, because now you've got all these tech stacks that everybody's trying to use, and it's I, the amount of email that comes into my inbox that's just totally junk and not anything that resonates with me is unbelievable. And so it's even harder to stand out. Are are your customers telling you the same kind of things? Yeah, I mean, I think that when COVID hit, every business had to send an email out to everybody that ever did business with them to say, hey, we're still in business. We're still here for you. Here's how you do it now. Uh, And that's kind of continued the conversation digitally. And, And then, yeah, as consumers, we just get overwhelmed with a bunch of digital communication. So standing out is super important. And I think the way you stand out is not just having it be, you know, classic marketing interactions. It's it's uh, the interactions you're having inside an application you're using of the companies and, you know, inside the mobile app. It's uh, interactions you're having uh, through the people that you're, like we were talking about, the seller or, you know, the people in the company also are part of the journey. Uh, and that the the emails or the SMSs or the mobile pushes or all those things that you're getting from the company are really tailored to you. And they're not just coming at 
4 a.m., you know, or something like that, where it doesn't, you know, you're not even reading it. It's come a long way to really go, okay, you clicked on this last time. I know what time you're active. And if you think about something like meal delivery, it's like, hey, getting a reminder that there's a special at a period of time where I normally do my ordering from a restaurant I've done in the past with the specific items I've used in the past really starts being actually useful. Click here to reorder is a lot useful to me versus just another another thing to delete in my email. So that's kind of, you know, how, how do you stand out? It's by people have building that trust over time and continuing that trust by having very focused and personalized interactions that are meaningful. So you mentioned being able to reach out and, and what made me get thinking immediately is, a lot of the constraints that the industry has put on us, things like GDPR, Castle, et cetera, and, and kind of putting a limit to a certain degree on outreach to people we don't have a relationship with. Yep. What do you see in your roadmap that will help sellers do a better job of being able to reach out in a meaningful way? Yeah. I mean, if you already have the relationship or you've had an interaction in the person is known to you, you have a huge jump start. And I think that we have some great technology at Microsoft to go continue to unify all of the disparate information that you have across many different data silos already on your customers that can help build a a more fuller picture. And we, we call that customer insights. And I think that that that, you know, to me, all of this stuff we've been talking about with data and AI and all that, it's all incomplete if you have incomplete customer data. But what you're talking about is, okay, now I want to reach out to new customers and all of the, you know, cookie-less world and all of that is really coming. And the great thing is, is that I we have been working on this problem for some time to try to figure out how from customer behavior analysis in an anonymous fashion, we can identify cohorts of people, run experiments on them in terms of what's most effective and can self do deep learning through um, machine learning, you know, to really be able to figure out, okay, here's the best experience for them. So to me, the fact that we have all of this AI and self-learning in our journey orchestration is going to go through the roof in terms of importance because You'll know, you know, you're going to have to be discovering about the customer through their journey, trying to figure that out. And also just the AI in terms of cohort analysis that we've learned through many things at Microsoft through what we've done in Bing and what we've done in IE, you know, have really, we can bring this to bear to this domain one when cookies are out the window. So uh, I feel very lucky to be part of a company that has a very deep research team on uh, and a very deep AI expertise that has been trying to clear, you know, clear the path for this for us all to to make it work in the business world is really the challenge that I have, and I'm excited because I can see how we can do that. It, it's definitely an exciting time. One of the assets that Microsoft has that I think is is a crown jewel is LinkedIn, mm-hmm. and and when I think about LinkedIn's place in the world relative to understanding who knows who, not just my relationship with you as a customer, but my potential relationship with your relationships. Can you comment at all about where Microsoft can help that technology weave in and and make us more effective? Yeah, um, there's so much opportunity here. Like the, the, the key for us at Microsoft is making sure that 
as customers are part of the LinkedIn community membership, that their privacy and their their value of being part of that community doesn't go away. And we're very careful about how we use the data at all. You know, and I think what we look at is kind of more permission-based and um, and aggregate trends to make sure that you can go reach out to new leads or get warm introductions based on your network, uh, like you were saying, kind of the who knows whom. And um, we have a little bit of that right now with LinkedIn Sales Navigator. That's part of Dynamics 365, one of the sales offerings we have. And I, we're actively working with LinkedIn right now to brainstorm some of these new scenarios around how we can help with this sort of network browsing and network introductions, like in a really focused sort of jobs to be done way, but that also really makes sure we re- were respecting the member data first because the, um, because, you know, people, that's what people expect. <laughs> and and we're, that's what we stand for as a company is that trust and privacy that um, people expect from Microsoft. So, um, so we're trying to balance those two things. And I think we have a few really great scenarios that we're, we're actively looking at to pile on top of the sales navigator work we have today. Awesome. That, that's fantastic. It seems like almost every major software company, everybody is going vertical or, or focus on specific industries. What's what's Dynamics sales plan for focus on specific industries? I know as an example, there's been some focus lately on financial services as an example. We have several industry clouds across Microsoft. And uh, we mentioned one in financial service. There's the healthcare cloud. There's the manufacturing cloud coming. You know, like we have... We believe that we have great products that, you know, fit the persona for um, for the seller, for example. And then we believe that, you know, we can tune that even more and provide some more additive, uh, com- you know, I guess I want to say complementary functionality that's really specific. So in the financial services segment, it's really not just about looking at your various clients and their portfolios, but looking at a loan application process that can be just already part of the experience. So we are going after these industry, you know, scenarios one by one, and um, and we have quite a number already in market today. And I think that these just kind of build on top of each other. And uh, you know, you kind of start with what you think is going to make the most sense for you. Uh, if you want those more custom scenarios, I think they're a great, great alternative that are very tailored for your industry, nonprofit, healthcare, financial services, et cetera. And that, that's kind of put quite a burden on the development organization and, and understanding those industries and, and really getting deep. I'm assuming you're doing a ton of research. Yeah, and I think the great thing about Microsoft there, um, the great thing about Microsoft there is that it's not just about CRM going, you know, the vertical to the industry. It's really bringing to bear the full set of Microsoft assets, including Teams and Azure and the Office Suite and all that, you know, for a comprehensive solution that's not just about the customer relationship management or the, you know, finance aspects or the operations aspects. It's really, really comprehensive. So, so you brought up teams. So I, I, I can't help but go down that trail for a second. <laughs> so if you'll allow me to call us both old school, we're both used to using email and, and the phone to correspond. And mm-hmm. what we're seeing now are technologies like Teams to be leveraged across organizational boundaries. Fast forward 10 years from now, or even five years from now, 
do you see the majority of communication with customers happening over that kind of a channel versus email? Uh, yeah, I do. I mean, I already it, don't fast forward, you know, like it's happening now. You know, I, I I think COVID made it start to happen where, you know, you're not you're not hanging out on the golf course or taking someone to lunch. You know, even your own book club is now through something like Teams. And so uh, we see that all over the place. And in fact, that's why we've done this whole thing called Context IQ that helps just bring business data into every collaboration experience that you are in so that yes in email you can you know at mention a, a business contact or a company or an account or a or a lead or an opportunity and you can get you know context on that that's shared through your organization but that you should be able to from contacts whether in your CRM system or anywhere uh, that you're mentioning them be able to meet now, to chat, to call, all of that, you know, and so we're just permeating. This is the world where productivity applications and and collaboration is just being um, married with the business applications. These things are just all coming together as people expect to collaborate with each other internally, as well as their customers in a bunch of different mechanisms. And so, Chat and um, video conferencing just need to happen from everywhere. And we've got a ton of work that we've done uh, to do that already that's been uh, announced at Ignite and more coming. And I can't go fast enough on this. Uh, But I think what I talked about earlier in the podcast where I talked about through the conversations, we can also get the transcripts and the AI and the real-time suggestions on things to bring up or help you if you get into your imagine a seller having a conversation and someone mentions the competitor and then you're you're scrambling kind of looking for okay what did the competitor do today or what what's what's our competitive advantage like just coming up right there for you um, we can really help just amplify the collaboration that you're doing with customers with the business data and with business data relevant to what you're discussing at the moment. And that's where I think the magic is. Yeah, it, it's interesting. In, in our business, we're, we're leveraging those technologies today. We're a big Microsoft shop. We use Teams heavily. And we've implemented some additional pieces of technology stack that are adding bots to our meetings and recording meetings and starting to do the things you're talking about. And some of the sellers on my team are, are really excited about that because they get coaching in real time. And, and the ability to learn from each other and others are can't throw the bot out quick enough because they're whatever, right? They're concerned about it. And I, I yeah. think that's a, that's a challenge, right? As, as, as this technology continues to proliferate, which is great, is getting people comfortable with the value it brings them, not just the kind of spookiness of it. Yeah. I mean, I think people have to be in control of um, of what's shared and what's captured and recorded. And so consent is extremely important. We built that into the feature set. And the thing is, it's just like you said, you said it better than I could. It's just, if it doesn't provide value, then it's spooky. If it helps me close more deals, I'm going to do it. You know, like this is, it's just helpful. So um, it's making sure that um, people are in control at every step of the way with what's captured and what's shared. Awesome. So, so let's take a little break and, and have a little fun. I'm, I'm going to take okay. us off this business topic for a second. So, so I'm going to, I'm going to give you some rapid fire questions um, okay. and, and don't, and don't think too much about these. So <laughs> Star Wars or Star Trek? Star Wars. 
Mac or PC? PC. <laughs> that was a trick question. <laughs> like, did I hear that right? <laughs> Co- coffee or tea? Neither. Neither. Wow, that's the first. Not, that's the first neither I've had. I don't like hot beverages. <laughs> Got it. Hint water. <laughs> Beach or skiing? Beach. All right. We'll we'll stop there for the moment. There might be more later, but uh, I, I was I always love understanding people's answers to those questions. And in the Mac PC one was definitely a trick question. <laughs> and the beach one too. Look at my background. <laughs> I know. I know. Well, that's great, Lori. Is there anything that you think about or that wakes you up in the middle of the night that you wish could be different? And I know that's a really open-ended question. Perfect. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, I wish that we weren't having a world war right now. Uh, that definitely keeps me up at night. I have a team in, uh, in Prague, a lot of people employed from, you know, former Eastern Bloc countries and, and Russia as well, you know, and this is incredibly painful and hard on them. And, you know, my heart goes out to uh, what's happening in the world. And so that definitely, you know, I wish I could do something more about it than just donations, you know? So I think that that's a pretty serious note, you know, in terms of in C- the world of CRM, you know, if I had a magic wand, I'd say, you know, I wish that, I wish that customers could tell product truth from product promises in this space. You know, I, I'm relatively new to the CRM space. I, like I said, I came from DevTools. You can't tell developers that you're building something and not have it work. You know, they you will be ousted out of the whole credibility space. Uh, and I was pretty surprised to come to CRM and see all the stories of what they say works and then really what it's not really working. And I, I see this across the whole whole space. And I just feel like, how can we help customers identify the product truth pre-purchase so that they know that what's being said is really what they're going to get, you know? And I've been really thinking that through because, you know, trials and demos and all that sort of stuff can be a little hard for people to get, get the full flavor of it. Um, and so we're looking at things like how can we offer not just trials, but forever you can have access to these features just in limited quantities. So you can really get a flavor about how it works for your business and if it's really valuable or if you have done false promises or, you know, like you can really get a feel for the truth that we have to offer because I am very proud of that. And, and I think people deserve that. And so I was trying to, I wish the industry would kind of pivot to, to be able to vet that out, you know, to be able to really call on uh, when promises have been made and and not kept and really hold us all, all of us vendors to the standard of, of deliver what you say, you know, and don't tell me it works that way if it doesn't really work that way, because I think it'll make for better products from all of us and better experiences just kind of for all, all companies and in the end for their customers. Not to be selfish on that particular topic, but I think if more if more companies had that same attitude, and by the way, we have the same attitude, but if more companies had the same attitude, customers evaluating our technologies would have a much easier time. I mean, I think they've got to put it, they feel like they have to put in a tremendous amount of effort to truly validate, are you telling the truth? Um, because yeah. so many companies have been burned in the past with promises. So hats, hats off to you on that one. I, I completely appreciate that comment. 
Yeah. And I think that what happens is we try to create these detailed ROIs, but it's really easy to keep checking those boxes and it's still not getting at, you know, is this really going to provide value to my organization and my business? And I think nothing goes further than actually using, using the value. And so um, I'm hoping that something that we can, we can, you know, elevate all of our games here in this, in the whole business. In my personal perspective, I think there's too many situations where the technologists at a customer are are buying to a set of requirements without mm-hmm. truly understanding the business value that the business is trying to get to. And, and there's a lot of reasons that happens. And I think, you know, as we've become more sophisticated in our technology purchases and technology spend, there's something being lost in, in making sure that value is is there. And so that's I think truth and really demonstrating the value was achieved are really critical. Yeah. And this is where I feel like I've lived this in the world of developer tools. You know, in the past, you would go and collect a bunch of requirements, spend a couple of years building this big thing and then throwing it out and you know to your customers. And they would go, well, that wasn't exactly what I wanted. And then you'd go, okay, let me collect another set of requirements. And you'd take two years and you'd do that. And it feels a little bit like that's the mode that CRM is in. You know, it's like I get a bunch of requirements and then I take a while to implement it and then I throw it out there. And then, you know, and I think we could be a lot more on the continuous improvement sort of mode that really you take things in chunks, you make incremental improvements. It's not disruptive on people's day-to-day productivity where they everyone needs to be retrained. You know, we have to be careful about that, but but that they see value, you know, in every improvement. And I I think we can get there. Um, and I think that can help help people really receive value more regularly and more quickly because it, they can swallow it in smaller chunks as well. Well, and that's critical, right? And I've seen this in my career. I've been in the ERP and CRM space for a long time. And inevitably, you'll speak with a customer that says, I want to change out my CRM because I've outgrown it. Yeah. And, and I always ask the question, well, why, why did you outgrow it? What happened? What didn't you keep up with? And the reality is business changes. And if, mm-hmm. if the company is not continuously reinvesting in uh, helping that CRM wrap around new business processes, changes in the business, yes, of course, you're going to outgrow it. Um, so that that incremental ability to continue to improve the value on a daily basis becomes critical. Yeah, that's right. And I think that that means a little bit of operating differently to be able to absorb the value on some sort of periodic basis that isn't, you know, huge chunks and hugely disruptive on the on the people trying to be productive is is important. It should be delightful and and regular. So. So fun part number two, not rapid questions, flip the tables. What questions would you have for me about the industry? I'll I'll play this back. I'll let you, I'll give you the interview, Mike. (laughs) Great. I love it. Um, Okay. So Ken, what has been the most disruptive thing you've kind of seen and changed through the whole CRM space over the years? Wow. Great question. Really great question. You know, to me, the probably the biggest disruption that I've seen really revolves around making that shift that you talked about of it being a system of record to it being a system of, of being able to help me to actually do my job. I mean, I, I like you, I go back, I go back to the before it was called CRM. 
but it was all about the system of record. It was all about management being able to peer into the business and understand what was happening and were people doing their job? Were the activities there? You know, I think that's, that is changing to a certain degree. I, I think there's two pieces to making that fully change. One is the technology itself and the work that you're doing and your teams are doing. But I think it's also incumbent upon the customers to really think differently about how they leverage the technology to help and their teams better serve customers, right? I can, I can take your technology today and implement it in my sales team and do a top-down management view only, and I can make my sellers just as miserable as they were 20 years ago, right? And so I think it's, it's really incumbent upon customers to think about what's the paradigm shift? How do I better support the customer journey? And then I've got to have the technology to support it, obviously. That's great. That feels very much in an alignment. You and I will get along very well, <laughs> you know, because I'm really excited about, I feel like I've come to this, this space at the perfect time when it's kind of ripe for this disruption. I think it would have been, um, you know, it just makes it so exciting to be a part of that sort of transformation that is driven both by the business need, but also the customer expectations that is going to end up making the business people so much happier in their day-to-day job because their tools will actually help them. Yeah. When, when we speak to customers about digital transformation and we see it, we're primarily in financial services, but when we speak to them about financial services, what that really translates to, and kind of a Copernicus principle here, it's, it's about being a customer-centric view of the world versus a product or service-centric view of the world, right? And to me, that's what digital transformation is all about, what companies are trying to do. It's not inherently about the technology itself. It's about how do we get closer to the customer and, and obviously help that customer consume our, our products and our services. But I think the world was very much product and service focused first and customer-centric last. Yeah. Well, great. It's so great to see it focused on the people now. I have a lot of passion for that in, uh, in my career. And, you know, as you could see, I start, you know, my passion to grow into the management ranks and then to go from developer tools to collaboration, developer collaboration. And, and then I feel like I've come to CRM and it's kind of about collaboration again, uh, right? I, I seem to be hitting the trends right where my passion is uh, aligning. So I feel very very lucky to, to, to work on this sort of stuff right when it's needed in the industry. Absolutely. So. Well, so we're, we're getting close to the end of our time. 45 minutes has just flown by, which is fan- fantastic. <laughs> is there any last things that you would want to get out there in the world? Well, um, yeah, I guess uh, what I would say is that uh, I really think we're on a brink of a big change here. I think that people's expectations are changing uh, and they need more from the products that uh, that they're buying and using every day. Uh, and I really hope that um, that we can meet meet that promise and uh, and deliver a real product truth that helps people be collaborative and not overwhelmed by data, but really tuned to what their customer wants at the moment that it matters to their customer. Helps them be more effective with the technology than without it. You know. So that's what my hope is for the customer engagement application suite here at Microsoft and its impact uh, on the on the industry. Thank you for tuning in to the RevTech Revolution podcast. 
If you enjoyed this episode, please don't forget to rate, review, and share this with colleagues who would benefit from it. If you would like to learn more about how Reva can help you improve your customer data operations, check out RevaEngine.com 